Thanks for listening to Great Battles in History. If you have any questions or comments, I'd love to hear from you. You can write me, Daryl D., at greatbattleshistory at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, at The Great Battles. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Jerusalem was the center of the medieval world. It was a city sacred to three great religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. For centuries, Jerusalem had been ruled by the Roman Empire, then its successor in the east, the Byzantine Empire. In 637, during the flood tide of Islam's conquests, the city fell to Muslim armies. Muslims would rule the city for the next 460 years. Then a new power arrived before Jerusalem, a horde of armed pilgrims from Europe who had vowed to capture the holy city in exchange for forgiveness of their sins. They would come to be called Crusaders, or those who were signed by the cross. In 1099, the Crusaders took Jerusalem, pillaging the city and massacring its inhabitants. Jerusalem then became the capital of a European Christian realm planted in the heart of the Middle East. The Kingdom of Jerusalem was the largest and most powerful of four states founded by the Crusaders. The three others were the Principality of Antioch, the County of Tripoli, and the County of Edessa. These Crusader states fought fierce, endless wars against the neighboring Muslim powers. In time, a Muslim champion emerged, An-Nasir Saladin Yusuf ibn Ayyub, better known in the West as Saladin, was a Kurdish warlord, a ruthless politician, and an energetic soldier. He first welded Egypt, Syria, and northern Iraq into a single empire. He proclaimed himself the leader of a jihad, a Muslim holy war against the Crusader states. In 1187, he crossed the River Jordan and invaded the Kingdom of Jerusalem with a massive army of 40,000 men. Guy de Lusignan, newly crowned King of Jerusalem, raised a great host to confront Saladin. Practically every man in the kingdom who could bear arms joined his muster, and the Crusaders were further reinforced by a powerful spiritual weapon, the true cross on which Christ had been crucified. On July 3, 1187, in the blazing heat of midsummer, the Crusaders set off across the hills of Galilee to challenge the Muslims to battle. But at first, Saladin refused to take up the gauntlet. Instead, he sent his Turkic horsemen to harass the enemy. The Turks were expert riders and peerless archers. They raced up to the marching crusader ranks, loosed storms of arrows, then scattered and fled before the enemy knights could unleash one of their devastating charges. This relentless harassment went on all day and into the night, taking a steady toll of the crusaders and wearing down their morale. But Saladin's deadliest weapon was thirst. The Muslim warlord ordered all the springs and wells in the path of the crusaders destroyed. The crusaders grew increasingly parched as they struggled across the sere, sun-blasted landscape. The worst sufferers of all were the knight's horses. Many became too weak to carry their mail-clad riders. To increase his enemy's misery even further, Saladin commanded the dry grass and brush around the crusaders set ablaze. Then, as a final torment, the warlord had his soldiers pour out jars of water before the Christians' eyes. 
The next day, July 4, 1187, the Crusaders somehow struggled on until they reached the twin black hills called the Horns of Hattin. There, they were surrounded by their foes. At last, Saladin ordered his army to close in for the kill. The Crusaders did all they could to resist, and the desperate, confused fighting lasted until the early afternoon. At its end, the army of Jerusalem was completely wiped out. King Guy and many of the lords of Jerusalem were captured. The true cross fell into Saladin's hands. Even more importantly, after Hattin, the Crusaders' states lay completely open and defenseless. In the following months, city after city, castle after castle, fell to the Muslim armies. At last, on October 2, 1187, Saladin claimed the greatest prize of all, Jerusalem. Hattin was a great victory. Nevertheless, it fell short of being decisive. The Crusaders managed to cling to a handful of ports on the coasts of Palestine and Syria. These ports provided bases and gateways for new Crusader armies coming from Europe. In 1191, the Third Crusade brought to the Middle East the hosts of the most powerful monarchs in Christendom, the Holy Roman Emperor Frederick Barbarossa, King Philip Augustus of France, and King Richard the Lionheart of England. The Third Crusade rescued the Crusader states from annihilation. It also initiated a new phase of holy war that would last until 1291. Hattin is one of the best-known battles of the Crusades. The Crusades themselves are the most famous event of the Middle Ages. They are also the most misunderstood. Even worse, the Crusades are misused by powerful and influential people in both West and East to reinforce their ideologies, advance their political agendas, and justify their actions. Far too often, these abuses of the Crusades have resulted in the deepening of present-day hatreds. In this episode of the podcast, I will be presenting a rigorous historical account of the Battle of Hattin and the Crusades, one that carefully places these events in the context of their places and times. As we'll see, such an account is the most effective antidote to all the misconceptions and distortions afflicting modern views of the Crusades. This episode examines the Battle of Hattin in eight parts. This introduction serves as part one. In part two, we will investigate the origins of the Crusades. We will examine why Europeans took up the cross and how they succeeded in accomplishing their goal of capturing Jerusalem. We will also look at the states the Crusaders established in the lands they conquered. In part three, we will turn our attention to the Muslims and their armies. We will see how Muslim resistance to the Crusaders was spearheaded by warriors who were themselves newcomers to the heartlands of the Islamic world the Turks of the Eurasian steppes. Part 4 focuses on the military forces of the Crusader states. We will examine how the Crusaders created highly effective armies by adapting medieval European warfare to Middle Eastern conditions. In Part 5, we will examine the long struggle between the Crusader states and the Muslim powers. We will particularly focus on how the Crusades provoked a revival and transformation of jihad, the Islamic Doctrine of Holy War. Part 6 traces the rise to power of the Kurdish warlord Saladin. Part 7 brings us to the Battle of Hattin, its causes, course, and consequences. 
Finally, in part 8, we will see how the destruction of the army of Jerusalem at the horns of Hattin, far from being a decisive Muslim victory, led to a crescendo and the climax of crusading.